Amen. Well, good morning, church. Awesome. It is still morning, right? Yes. Good morning. So good to be with you. Um, let's take a moment and do two things at the same exact time. Let's thank Faith, Christian, KK, and Kenny for, and the team for leading us. And let's welcome everyone doing church at home online this morning. So right now, come on, let's just thank them for leading us. What's up, family, doing church at home? Like I said a moment ago, my name is Josh Mays. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm the worship pastor. So normally I'm right here kind of doing what Christian uh, just did. But uh, it's my honor today to continue uh, preaching through the book of Colossians. Pastor Will uh, has been leading us now for, for nine, I believe this is the 10th week. And we're in Colossians 3 today. So if you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bibles or your smart devices, Colossians 3. We're going to start in verse 18. I uh, want to thank Pastor Will for giving me this opportunity. It truly is my privilege, my pleasure. I've been looking forward to this morning for quite some time. Uh, I do, really quickly, though, want to want to announce something, do a little bit of housekeeping. In the seats in front of you, okay, uh, Roger Green mentioned it just a moment ago, but Good Friday is right around the corner. Uh, anyone ever been, show of hands, to a Good Friday service before here at High Point? Uh, it is an incredible time as we uh, gather together as the body of Christ to remember the cross. We take a really an intentional service to just cast our minds to Calvary. And here's what I want you to do in the seat backs in front of you, there's a little invest and invite cards, okay? And I want you to take them, like just take them all, just empty, empty the seats today, empty the rows, just take them all. And I want you to pray about, ask the Lord to put a name on your heart, someone to invite to our Good Friday service, April the 2nd, 4, 6, and 8. Here's the deal. This service is designed to not only edify the found. So for the, for the believers, as we remember the cross and we have a worship service, we're going to take communion together. It is absolutely an incredible moment to edify the found. But it is also an incredible opportunity to evangelize the lost, okay? So if you have someone who you maybe is on your kid's t-ball team or someone you go to the gym with or someone you work with, a barista, a friend, a coworker, man, invite them to Good Friday, April the 2nd. Now, last year this time, we had a really exciting plan for Good Friday. And then I don't know if anyone in here heard about it, but there was this, like this time last year, there was this little thing called a global pandemic. Anyone ever heard of this thing? It kind of threw a monkey wrench into everything for a year now. And what we did instead is we uh, got a little team together and we went to a little studio and we uh, recorded seven songs and we had Good Friday online at home. Does anybody remember this? Last year, it was April the 10th, and we did seven songs, and Pastor Will did a message. And what was cool about it is at the end of that, we looked up and we had these two original songs, these two new original songs, and these five songs that are kind of like high point favorites, and they were already recorded. So I get to announce to you today that we released an album today called Above the Storm. And so you can search High Point Worship and it's those seven songs. We had a bunch of people uh, reaching out in emails and DMs and text messages. Hey, how can I listen to those songs? And guess what? They are now available. So just search High Point Worship. They're all kind of broken down acoustic songs. So you can just use them in your morning worship time or whatever. Um, and here's the deal. Let me be crystal clear about this. We're not trying to sell you anything. 
This is simply a resource for you, okay? As you worship the Lord, we're just trying to resource you as you head into Holy Week, as you head into Good Friday, that you can sing these songs, you can listen to these songs, you too can cast your mind to Calvary. Make sense? Awesome. So that release today, it's on Apple Music and Spotify and all the streaming platforms and whatnot. Just search High Point Worship. All right. So that's it for uh, housekeeping announcements. We're gonna jump in and we're gonna continue verse by verse through the book of Colossians. We're gonna be in chapter three today. Uh, why don't we pray together and then we'll, uh, we'll jump in. Okay, let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this moment. These brothers and these sisters, we gather in your name. We gather because of the cross. We gather in light of the gospel. We open your word. We believe it is alive. Holy Spirit, speak. Holy Spirit, convict. Holy Spirit, reveal. Open our eyes. We do our part. We open our eyes. We open our ears to see, to hear. We love you so much, Lord. Thank you so much for just your presence and your goodness, your faithfulness and your love. This is all for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, so we're in the book of Colossians today. Once again, Paul's letter, the Apostle Paul's letter to the church of Colossae. And uh, the first two chapters are very Pauline. It is gospel, gospel, gospel. It is why, why, why. Then chapter three happens. There's kind of a turn in the letter and it's now like, what, what, what? And I don't know about you, but I, I really love the why, why, why. But when we gather together, there's, I, I am the kind of person where it's like, okay, now the, what can I do with that? And this today is filled with application. This is essentially do, do, do. And we're gonna talk more about that in a second, but, but this literally, the heading in this passage is rules for Christian households. Rules for Christian households. So we're in chapter three, verse 18. Are you ready? We're gonna jump right in. Verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands. Okay. I'd like to go ahead and uh, publicly thank Pastor Will for giving me this passage this morning. Couldn't have been uh, for God to love the world or uh, let the little children come to me. Uh, but we're just kicking it off with a softball. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. I want to pair these two verses together. Wives, submit to your husbands as fitting in the Lord, and husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Uh, let me say this. The late, great, uh, fearless and peerless Dr. Adrian Rogers, I believe he once said, we should preach the Bible, we should preach with the Bible in our right hand and the newspaper in our left. And as I stand here before you today, let me uh, just make an announcement. Right now, March 2021, there is an attack on marriage. There is an attack on gender. In our culture, in our world, in our state, in our city, right now, there is an attack on gender roles and responsibilities. And we as Christians have truth to cling to. Praise God, right? You see, because culture changes, culture evolves, but the truth doesn't. It is absolute truth. 
I was able to preach this past Wednesday night via video to crew uh, our students. We love our students here, yeah? And uh, we, we have crew groups, and my topic was progressive Christianity. And the big idea was this. Listen, the big idea was this. Just because it's popular doesn't mean it's right. Just because it's popular doesn't mean it's true. And on the flip side of the coin, check this out. Just because it's unpopular doesn't mean it's wrong. In our country, not too, too long ago, when black people, when minorities could not drink out of the same water fountain, had to ride in the back of the bus, go to different schools, go to different restaurants, they were segregated. Just because it was legal, just because it was popular and widely accepted, did that make it right? Clearly no. Not too long ago in our country, when women were seen as having a lesser than voice, not equal to men, as a matter of fact, they couldn't even vote. We didn't even want your opinion on who should be elected. Just because it was legal and just because it was widely accepted, just because it was popular, did that make it right? No. In the 70s, when Roe versus Wade hit and it became legal to murder an innocent human being in the child, and now in many states, started in New York, it's now legal to murder that innocent human being all the way up to the point of delivery, just because it is now legal, just because it is now popular as evidenced by the 60 million plus abortions, does that make it right? No, never. So we as Christians have a truth, have a way of living that we are invited into. And mark my words, we as Christ followers, disciples of Jesus, if we really hold the line, if we really stick to the truth, it may, it will become more and more unpopular. But it is the way that he designed things to be. And I love this passage. I love this passage. It's complicated, but apparently it's important to Paul because listen to this. Uh, I do a lot of weddings and this is my go-to wedding passage. It's Ephesians 5. This is, uh, I, I always hit it right here. It's the, all the same language. Apparently it's important to Paul because he writes about it to the church of Ephesus and to the church of Colossae. Listen, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. But this is the point in the wedding ceremony where I say, hold the phone before you throw me out of the party. Husbands, Blake, or whatever his name is, you're not off the hook. As a matter of fact, you are squarely on the hook. Listen to this passage. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish, that she might be holy. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one 
flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So wives are to submit, and husbands are to love. And how are husbands to love? Sacrificially. Now, this is not high point theology school. This is not high point seminary. I'm not here to just give you information today. Are you with me? Information can just puff you up. Today, I've, I've often said, we're not here to dial 411. We're here to dial 911 because we need help with life. Are you with me? I need help. I need help as a husband. I need help as a parent. I need help as a friend. But with that being said, I have a whiteboard, okay? So follow along, and we're going, to, uh, we're going to kind of break this down verse by verse because there's essentially six rules in this passage. Wives, what are they to do? Somebody tell me. Wives are to submit. And why? Because it pleases the Lord. Husbands are to what? Love, that's right. And what kind of love is that, by the way? Sacrificial, selfless, dying to self love. And they're not to be harsh. And so the opposite of harsh, if there's not conflict, if there's not uh, 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 fraction, uh, what's the, fiction, uh, not fiction, friction, thank you. I was mixing up fraction and fiction. If there's not, uh, wait, what is it? Friction, there's not friction if it's not, you're not being harsh. The opposite of that, let's put peace, okay? So peace in the household. And by the way, peace is of the Lord, peace is of the Holy Spirit, amen? Okay, so wives are to submit to their husband, and that is glorifying to the Lord. Husbands are to love their wives sacrificially, selfless, and it brings peace to the household. Here's what's incredible about that. The wives are not supposed to just blindly follow just some idiot. But the, 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 the point of this whole thing is that the husbands and, and the wives would, would both be running a race in such a way, looking to the Lord in such a way to submit to the Lord. And, and it's this beautiful, harmonious, pic, like the marriage is this beautiful, harmonious picture of what? We just read it in Ephesians 5, Christ and the church. And I've talked to my wife about it. It's very evident with, with my relationship with my wife. And maybe you can relate in the same way. But if the husband is loving his wife in a sacrificial, selfless kind of way, ladies, how much easier is it for a wife to submit to that kind of man? And it's just this cyclical, harmonious, beautiful relationship that does what? Brings glory to the Lord and peace on earth. Amen. Let's continue. Verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Okay, I love this. So this was a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote, the Church of Colossae, right? So imagine uh, some sort of gathering. There's food, uh, and they've gotten the letter, and they're reading it. They're studying this letter. It's not broken up into chapter and verse. They're just reading a letter that Paul wrote to them. 
And so they're reading it in chapter one, of course, very gospel, 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 gospel. What, what has Christ done for us? Our identity in Christ. Chapter two, more of the same. Chapter three, this is what we're doing with it. This is what, how we apply it to our lives. And then they get to verse 18 and then it comes up wives. All the wives in the room kind of, they're, well, he, Paul's writing to the wives. I'm a wife, I'm gonna listen. Then, then husbands, you're to love your wives. I'm a husband, I'm gonna listen. And then Paul writes this word, children. And I wasn't there, but I like to imagine that, that the moms and the dads in the room go, Rebecca, Jacob, Sarah, the apostle Paul is writing to you. Come gather around, listen to what he has to say. And, and what does he say? He says, children, obey your parents. And the parents are like, uh-huh, obey your parents, right? Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Now, what's crazy about that is the children know of the Lord. As a matter of fact, their aunts and their uncles were at the wedding when Jesus turned water into wine. I mean, th th listen, these are first, second, maybe third, maybe generation Christians. Jesus was, has just ascended. I mean, uh, Paul is writing this, I mean, real time. Wait, if I obey my parents, this pleases the Lord. And I love the fact that Paul even acknowledges there are children in the room. Don't you? A couple of just realizations, observations about this. Number one, children are important. The next generation is important. Amen? We at High Point, hear us loud and clear, think that that's the case. Also, observation number two, discipleship starts at home. Please, parents, do not leave it up to your Christian school or high point kids to disciple your children. Please know that your kids are watching you and discipleship starts at home. But let me say this. We have a need right now in high point kids that 20-something, somebody that's a 20-something needs to hear me. Someone that's never taken a step of faith and served in the context of the local body of Christ, someone needs to hear me. There's an opportunity for you right now to serve in High Point Kids. Now, my friend, Drew McCullough, who just preached at the Carterville campus this morning, he was once at the Carterville campus and someone like me once got up on a platform just like this and said, hey, everybody, we have a need in High Point Kids. Drew then went and got in his car with his wife, Brittany, he said, hey, Britt, I think that maybe we, should serve in High Point Kids. Guess what she did? She submitted to Drew and said, uh, okay. They started serving. Next thing you knew, Drew loved it. He came alive. There was fire in his bones, as fire, life in his eyes as he saw kids realize the grace and the gospel and the goodness of our Lord. Next thing you know, he was serving with students. Then Parker Richardson grabs him by the collar one day and says, hey, there's ministry, like maybe even full-time ministry in your life and in your future. Drew said, uh-uh, I got a corporate job. I am good. No way. But guess what? He surrendered to the Lord and now he's our next-gen pastor. And all because he once answered a need. Maybe today you will hear me say, Paul thinks children are important. We think children are important. Would you want to partner with parents as they disciple at home, would you come alongside of us in High Point Kids and serve? Okay? Okay. Verse 21. 
Actually, let's write this down. Children, there aren't a ton of kids in the room. That's okay. Children, what are the, what are the uh, children called to do? Somebody tell me. Obey, brilliant. And, and the why here, when it says, uh, children, obey your parents and everything for this pleases the Lord. It's more glory of God talk. It's for his glory. So once again, let's just put the Lord. All right, next verse. Uh, verse 21, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. For the sake of today, we're going to write parents because this applies to moms and dads. I'm gonna write provoke and then I'm gonna cross it out. Don't provoke. And then the opposite of discouraged, let's call it encouraged. Yeah? Now, There's a principle at play here that I want us to all get on the same page with, about. You cannot give away that which you do not have. You cannot give away something that you first have not received. It's very simple. If I go to you and I say, hey man, can I have a $5 bill, and you do not have a $5 bill, you cannot give me a $5 bill. But if you do, then you have the choice to give it to me or not. Here's the sad reality about this, okay? The older I get, the more life I do, the more counseling I've done, the more counseling I've done with people, the more conversations I have, the more I study this, the more I realize that I think so many of us are just recovering from father and mother wounds. As a matter of fact, I've got friends that are in their 20s, 30s, 40s who, who never received from their dads, from their moms, what they should have received. As a matter of fact, I'm thinking of one friend in particular right now who was verbally abused, he was physically abused. He did not grow up in a household like, like I did. You see, I was blessed with, with great earthly parents. They were imperfect and they passed on stupid stuff to me. There's no doubt about it. But they encouraged me in my walk. They, they didn't provoke me. They didn't, as the NIV says, embitter me. But they encouraged me in my walk. Now, Let me tell you a quick story. I was just in New Orleans. We were doing, a, I was officiating a wedding actually in New Orleans and we were at a rehearsal dinner the night before. Now, there's a guy called Nate. Nate goes to this church and he is awesome. He was there. Now his son was there and his son's about that tall and he was in his cowboy boots at the rehearsal dinner and he has a little shirt, you know, tucked in and, and the, the boy, little boy had a laser gun. At the rehearsal dinner, right? And he's got his crayons, and I could just see it happening. The little boy was running around, pew, 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 shooting up people at the rehearsal dinner. And then there it was. I, I, I was waiting. I was waiting for it to happen. And boom. He runs to the table, and tea goes everywhere, right? And in that moment, I watched Nate. I was standing 12 and a half feet from, from Nate. 
And in that moment, I watched Nate smile. Hey, buddy. Oh, man, it's okay, dude. It's okay. You're okay, man. Brush it off. All right, man. Hey, just, just sit down, man, and color for a little bit, man. You're okay. Hey, mom, can you help me clean this up? Awesome. Thank you. You know what that was? Nate didn't read a blog that, that said, here's three things to consider if your child knocks over the tea at a rehearsal dinner. Oh, I'm going to remember that one. No. You know what Nate had? The Holy Spirit. I'm not here to tell you, man, this is, here are seven things to think about as parents. I'm here to tell you, walk with the Lord and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as you're raising your kids, you're not going to provoke them. Instead, there's going to be love and joy and peace. Can you imagine growing up in a household? Maybe you can. Can you imagine creating a culture in a house of of joy and patience and self-control and kindness? Amen? That is exactly what Paul is writing about here. He said, don't provoke your kids. Don't let them be discouraged, but be filled with the Holy Spirit and love your kids in such a way as you're representing Christ. Discipleship starts at home. Don't worry about your hands and the fruit. Worry about the root. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and let him guide you in your parenting. Parents, don't provoke. All right, moving on. 22. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong and there is no partiality. Once again, I would like to thank Pastor Will for not only giving me the wives submit to your husbands passage, but also the slaves submit to your masters passage. Uh, But really, this is an easy thing to navigate. But I, I, I cared so much, so deeply about this passage. I wanted to handle this with absolute clarity and integrity. And there's a couple things that I want you to know that I have found out and, and, and been reminded of over the last few weeks. First of all, this passage is brought up a lot by the world to say that the Bible condones slavery. Hear me loud and stinking clear. The Bible does not condone slavery. As a matter of fact, Paul writes, teaches, preaches just the opposite. In this passage in particular, Paul is writing in the context of the cultural reality of that day. When we see the word bond servants, and in NIV it does say slaves, that is a very, there is a very different context that we need to remember here that is so different than over the last few hundred years here in America and the slavery that existed here. As a matter of fact, these bond servants, uh, picture it like this. The economy was very, very, very different back in the day. If you wanted a job, there was no sonic 
to put on some roller skates and drive around tater tots, okay? If you wanted a job and there was a family who could bring you in, take care of you, provide meals for your table, and for about seven years, you were a servant of that family, that was a viable form of a career, essentially, a viable way to make ends meet and take care of your family. Nod your head if you're with me. And as I did more and more research, the reality was that the bond servants in that day did often have seven-year contracts. And at the end of that seven years, they could re-up the contract. They could go to a different family. It was very different than the slavery that we know uh, over the last few hundred years in America. Now, I did not say this last service, but I've got to say it today in the second service. (laughs) From what I understand, there are more slaves today on planet Earth than have ever existed at one time in the history of our planet. I read an article that actually said one in 200 people could be considered enslaved. One in 200. I I read another piece of material, literature that said still about half the countries on the planet, slavery is legal. Let me be clear about this. This breaks the heart of God. People should not be viewed as property of someone else. Are we all on the same page? So as I was discussing this with Pastor Will, and he actually really encouraged me in this, he was like, yes, that is the context. Here's what we're gonna write today instead of bond servants. Ready? This marker is dead. Here's what we're going to write instead of bond servants. Employees. Because raise your hand if you're a wife in this room. Raise your hand if you're a husband in this room. Some children. Raise your hand if you're parents in this room. Raise your hand if you're an employee of somewhere in this room. Yeah, this is beginning to apply to us. Uh, this is beginning to hit home right here. It says, bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, but not in the way of eye service, not pleasing men, but knowing your inheritance is from the Lord. So we are to obey. We are to work heartily. Heartily. And guess what? Once again, it is for the Lord. Maybe you work with someone who represents Christ so well in your workplace. Power under control. The meek will inherit the earth. We've been called to subdue the earth, to steward the earth, to take care of our families. Could we do it in such a way as for the glory of the Lord? We could spend the entire morning, we could spend the entire series or an entire series talking about we are not here to please men. We are here to give glory to God, amen? So in your workplace, employees, if you're an employee, hear me loud and clear, in your workplace, remember you are representing Christ. And when you work, work hard, but not to please men. Work hard to give God the glory in every season, amen? And last but not least, Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. We have employees, we're gonna write bosses. 
us put fair, be fair. And once again, we have a master in heaven. This is for the Lord. So my heading said, rules for a Christian household. We're navigating rules today, lots of takeaways. And I pray if you're a wife, husband, child, parents, employees, or bosses, right now that the Holy Spirit would be speaking to you, convicting you, bosses in the room, if you've got a team that, that reports to you, if you're, you're the direct report, if you're a, a boss and you're running a, a team or an organization, heck, you may be a CEO somewhere. Treat people fairly. Show them honor in light of the gospel. Imagine, remember how much grace he, we have been shown. And in light of that grace, will we not just p- treat people fairly, but will we treat people with dignity and respect and mercy and grace? Amen? Amen. So I pray that, that as we look at these six rules, that, that the Holy Spirit would be speaking to you, the Holy Spirit would be convicting you. But here is what is so weird about today. I just spent mm, 30 minutes or whatever talking about rules. And if you know High Point at all, if you know what we're about, we're about the gospel. We're about a relationship with God. What are rules at the center of religion? Religion. So twisted, let me make sure you hear that word, twisted Christianity, uh, Judaism with their 613 rules, uh, Islam, Buddhism, and the list goes on. It's full of rules. But we look at Colossians 3.18 through 4.1 differently because we have to look at it through the, the filter, the lens of the gospel. So these are rules, but my friends... These are gospel-centered, centered rules. What does that mean? Here's what it means. So much of life, so much of religion is like a, and this is nasty. This is, this is not what I'm preaching today. Hear me when I say that. It's like a rule book. Oh, especially mm, in, 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 in a lot of our Christian denominations here in the South, it's don't drink, smoke, cuss or chew, or definitely don't date girls who do, right? Right? And it's, if, if, you, if you dress the right way and you drive the right car and you send your kids to the right school and you follow all the rules, and you clean up just enough. And if you're wives, you gotta submit. And if you're husbands, you gotta love. Parents, don't provoke. And employees, work heartily. And you follow all the rules. Maybe, just maybe, one day when we get to heaven, we present our work and we hit our knees and we hear, if we did everything right, we hear, well done, good and faithful servant. But what do we know about the gospel? It's not about us keeping the law and us keeping the rules and us doing. It's about what Jesus Christ has already done for us on the cross. Amen? 
So here's what happens. You're at the Good Friday service or whatever, and, and, and someone invited you from, from your community college, and you're sitting there, and you feel this tug, and the Holy Spirit speaking to you, and you go, oh my goodness, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I've got this like God-shaped hole in my heart, in my life, and I, I think, Jesus, I, I think this is you. I, I think I really believe who you are, uh, and, and, and that you did what you said you were going to do, and Jesus, I'm going to place my faith and my trust and my hope in you. And, uh, and, and would you forgive me? Would you save me, Lord? And then in that moment, that's the starting line. And the confetti cannons go off and the paparazzi go off and we get to run the race. Narrow is the gate, therefore narrow is the road because Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. Make sense? He is the narrow gate and we enter the gate and then we begin to run the race. And yes, we as wives get to submit and we as husbands, we get to love and children get to obey. But it's not because we're trying to earn something. It's because we've already earned everything in the gospel. And so we're not living in such a way as to, we're running really hard and it's dependent on us. We're running really hard because of what he's done for us. I've heard it put this way. I love that. And I listen, I know you may look at me and think, that's a guy who knows a lot about figure skating. But that's not the case. But I've seen a couple movies. I've watched the Olympics a couple times. Listen, this is a beautiful analogy. Imagine you're about to hit the rink as a figure skater. <laughs> and, and somehow your scorecard got mixed up with Jesus Christ's. And somehow they already have your scores. And before you ever even hit the rink, you've been given by the judges all tens. Tens across the board. And then you get to go and perform. And you get to go and you get to go for the, the triple axle. You get to run the race in such a way to glorify God and to please God, but not to earn anything, not to earn salvation, not to earn the keys to heaven. Jesus is the key to heaven. But what happens is this. We, we live our lives in such a way and we skate in such a way knowing that if we fall down, it's okay. He will pick us up and we get to keep on running the race. And, and Lord, of course I want to obey. Of course I want to work heartily. Of course I want to do the right thing because of what you've done for me. It's in light of the gospel, I'm running the race. It's in light of the gospel, I'm living my life. And instead of the rule book, we get there and there's the book of life. And God has given Jesus the authority. He's the judge. And there's two judgment seats in heaven. Pastor Will talked about this a little bit a few weeks ago, and I'm going to uh, expound upon it. The first is the great white throne. And that's where they look in the book of life and they see that moment right there, the starting line. They see whether or not you placed your faith, your hope, in Jesus Christ, whether or not he is your Lord and Savior. And there's your name. There's my name, Josh Mays. Welcome to heaven. And then there's the second judgment seat. I don't know why we as Christians do not talk about this all of the time, but it's called the Bema seat. First Corinthians, second Corinthians uh, five, Hebrews 10, Revelation uh, 20, Revelation 22. We don't know exactly what it looks like, but it's something like this. 
welcome. Your name is in the book of life. All right. Here's your life. Here are all your tests. All of your tests. Let's find the A's, shall we? So they get the A's. Jesus gets the A's. Oh, man. Yeah, you served in High Point Kids. You discipled your, your, <laughs> your kids. You, uh, you shared your faith at work. Man, you were so patient. You were filled with the Holy Spirit. You loved your wife so well. Boom, 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 boom. All your A's. All, all the stuff you did for me. And he smiles. He takes the rest of your tests, your whole life. He goes, oh, here are your F's. You failed a lot. Mm. He puts them in this stack. And he takes your B's and your C's and your D's from your life, the race that you ran. He goes, okay, here's some A's. We're gonna take the right stuff out of there. We're gonna put it in the A stack. Uh, we're gonna take the bad stuff and, and put it in the F stack. And there's some more A's, put it in the A stack. Then he takes your F's, your failures, this stack. And he goes back to the book of life. And next to your name, there's a matchstick made out of the cross of Jesus Christ. And he takes it. And he lights it. And he burns all of your failures, all your sin. He paid for it. Then he takes your A's, the way you ran your race. He says, all right, this is what you did for me. This is what you did for the kingdom. Now here's your name and here's your new role and here's your responsibilities. And we are now gonna spend eternity with you worshiping me and I'm gonna be right here on this throne because I'm the king of kings. And we, as believers, based upon the race that we ran, we have roles and responsibilities in heaven. We live in pure bliss in paradise under the rule of King Jesus. And that, my friends, is the good news. Amen? Amen. So here's what we're gonna do. There's two types of people in this room. There's people who just heard those six rules, heard that analogy of the figure skater and the race, and you're thinking about eternity, you're thinking about heaven. And Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Maybe you're, he's convicting you right now. And I'm inviting you to run the race with me. It's not about perfection. It's not about earning. It is about resting in the presence of King Jesus. Here's my I have one point this morning. Here's my big idea. The gospel-centered life is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. We're not trying to earn anything in the race that we're running. We have already earned everything. The scripture says our inheritance in Christ but we do get to put in effort for the glory of God. Let's read it all out loud, just so we can let this sink into our bones, sink into our minds, everybody out loud, ready? The gospel-centered life 
is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. So I'm inviting you to run the race with me. But there's a second type of person in this room who's never hit the starting line, who's never hit the starting block. You've never placed your faith in your heart, your faith. You've never received salvation. It's not a gift. Let me be clear. He paid it all. Jesus paid the price. Amen? But it is a free gift for us. So I'm going to invite you. Let's just all, uh, brothers and sisters, friends and family, let's all close our eyes, bow our heads. And if you, this morning, if the Holy Spirit's been tugging on your heart and, and you've been convicted and you may just maybe think that there's a God-shaped hole in your life, in your heart that only he can fill. I'm going to pray a prayer and, I, and it's, I, I cannot pray this prayer for you, but I'm going to lead you in a prayer and you can pray in your own words, something like this. Just say, God, I recognize that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I believe you are who you said you are. I believe you did what you said you were going to do. I believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Lord, because I am in need, would you save me, Jesus? I place my faith in you. I put my hope in you. And in your next breath, you're the only reasonable response. You just want to say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And if you just prayed that prayer, I'm going to invite you to do something. And I'll explain why in just a moment. If you just prayed that prayer and placed your faith in Jesus Christ, I'm going to count to three. And I'll invite, I want to invite you just, just lightly put your hand up for me to see. No one else will see. Just keep your eyes closed, heads bowed. One, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Two, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Three, if you just prayed that prayer, would you just slightly throw your hand up? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Brothers and sisters, can we welcome our new brothers and sisters in the family of God this morning? That's the best decision you're ever going to make in your entire life. He welcomes you with open arms. Now, I did not invite you to raise your hand so that I can feel good about this message. It ain't about me, brother. I invite you to raise your hand because it's a first step towards letting someone else know. So maybe you take that hand and you text high point to 97000. You let somebody know. You find me afterwards. You talk to somebody in the lobby. Just like Rachel went public with her faith this morning. You get baptized. You go public with your faith. Let somebody know. For the rest of us, for everyone, let's stand together. And we're going to finish this service by singing all hail King Jesus. And as we leave this place today, could we know without a shadow of a doubt that because of Jesus, the gospel-centered life is not opposed to effort. We still get to run the race, but it is opposed to earning. Let's sing this together. Let's worship.